0: Welcome to Talk About Poetry, where working poets gather to discuss poems they like, are impressed, annoyed, or engaged by. I'm Bob Hers, editor and publisher of Nine Mile Magazine and Nine Mile Books, which is the sponsor of this podcast. Today we have a treat, a reading by Steve Casista, my co-editor at Nine Mile, from his new book, Old Horse, What Is To Be Done, out from Tiger Bark Press. Steve is author of several other books, including the memoirs Have Dog Will Travel, Planet of the Blind, which was a New York Times Notable Book of the Year, and Eavesdropping, a memoir of blindness and listening, and also of the poetry collections Only Bread, Only Light, and Letters to Borges. A graduate of the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop and a Fulbright Scholar, he has taught at the University of Iowa, Hobart and William Smith Colleges, and Ohio State University. He currently teaches at Syracuse University, where he holds a university professorship and is Director of Interdisciplinary Programs and Outreach at the Burton Blatt Institute. He's a frequent speaker on disability and diversity issues around the U.S. and abroad. Without further ado, here is Steve.
1: Hi, I'm going to read a few poems from my newly published book, Old Horse, What is to be Done? It's a collection of poems uh, dedicated to the American poet Robert Bly. Who was terrifically helpful to me when I was a younger poet some years back? First poem in the book is called You'll Have to Take My Word. And it begins with a quote, an epigraph, from a Finnish poet named Jarko Laina. He says, Rebellion simply makes a man old. I've outgrown sentiment, like the old apples. On old trees, spirit quiet, clean with decline. As a boy, I was loud with rebellions, buying birds, for instance, releasing them in parking lots where the grills of Chevrolets gleamed in heartbreak. It's understatement saying I'm tired. Leave a message. I'll be in touch. The oldest apples hang far into autumn, glow against bare limbs as if Aphrodite has passed, preoccupied as she must be. So that's a little poem about getting old (laughs) Uh, and still being rather astonished by nature and uh, also... More than passing astonished at simply having grown old. And I really did used to go into Woolworths. Remember Woolworths? I'd go into Woolworths and buy the parakeets and let them loose. This poem is called Blind, I Bought a Horse. Blind, I bought a horse. Not to ride, though some would. My wife, for instance, no, I bought him because of his loneliness. Orphic horse retired from the track, left standing in a stall. Have I mentioned his neck? It's long as Noah's hope for new son. Il miglior fabbro, I whispered to the greater maker. Il miglior fabbro is, of course, the from T.S. Eliot, his dedication of his own poem, The Wasteland, to Ezra Pound, uh, who he saw as the greater maker. Uh, Here, I'm actually thinking of the horse (laughs) as the greater maker, and in turn thinking of the horse as a product of God. Uh, I wrote this uh, while spending a month alone in the woods in New Hampshire. And uh, it has a lot of quotes in it from various poets. It's called Late in the Day, I Opened a Book of Shadows. And I was not unhappy. No one in my world could be found there, and I was not unhappy. Sylvia Plath, quote, I thought the most beautiful thing in the world must be shadow, end quote. Horace, quote, pulvis et umbra sumus, we are but dust and shadow, end quote. Auden, of course, quote, every man carries with him through life a mirror as unique and impossible to get rid of as his shadow, end quote. And I was not unhappy. Gilles Deloitte's Quote, the shadow escapes from the body like an animal we had been sheltering. I was not unhappy. Shakespeare. Quote, some there be that shadow kiss. Such have but a shadow's bliss. Uh, This is a poem broken up into little... um, Sections really marked by asterisks. uh, It leaps. It's a little leaping poem. I like to think of it as like a bug on water. Uh, The title is After So Much Is Said and the Candles Are Low. I'm no match for the godless knights, and if there are gods, I'm no match for them either. I build a fence badly. Tear it down after dark. I used to love Wallace Stevens. I was young. Thus a dog bursts into my poem, follows me home. A mild wind follows the dog. Up river, where a stand of birches leans, walking, walking, with a spent candle in my coat. This poem is entitled Lorca. Of course, he was the great 20th century Spanish surrealist poet, uh, and um, he was murdered by uh, Franco's uh, military in um, mid-1930s. Lorca, whose eyes are shot through with gold threads, whose eyes are numbers, whose tongue steers songs of harvest knives, there are many, too many to be sung. He can be wheat at the end of summer, can be a wheel, his pulse, the revolutions, of a long, clear night of love. When September comes, he can be the first leaf in the fountain, perfect, death's butterfly. This poem is dedicated to the American poet Marvin Bell, who recently passed away, who was a remarkable uh, lyric uh, poet with a good mind for philosophical issues. Questions to answers for Marvin Bell. I was guilty of reversing things so that water was sky when I rowed the boat early mornings and I could see the purpose of trees was the perfection of earth. Boyhood was like swallows in June. I flew everywhere, upside down and fast. Oh, and I made solemn work of shadows, begging the darkness with my own darkness, a trick of the blind, always the smallest grains of feeling. This is why the gravity of seasons holds me awake. Almost foolish to say, I believe snowfall is the form and habit of gods and they return against our will and they talk of natural facts. They talk of natural facts. Whenever I want to cry, I think of boyhood and the gods, the virtual emptiness of a child's early mornings blind in a boat. I once um, saw a photograph uh, of a blind man selling pencils in New York City. The photo was probably taken in the 1970s. And just as we always think in the arts of the people who come before that figure that we see, I thought of a long line of blind people behind that man. And I thought of the people who, without reflection uh, or generosity, allowed those beggars to exist. So this is a sort of mythic portrait. To a blind man selling pencils, New York City. And then others arrived, eyes first, surveyors, Important men, men who wore the flag, runners who filled the streets in every town. They carried sacks like thieves. Every day such men feel their blood rise. It uses them, returns them to the avenues. And I alone discovered them, one by one. I was of the provinces. I was reflected in their eyes like a fire. Some men possess the color of origin. The blind man is Amaranth, Amon word of sorts, a word that will be mistaken on earth. Still I saluted the closed world without its consent, crossed the water of streets, and raised a sign unreadable as the moon, My plea had the whiteness of things that have no use in life, and the words were nothing more than a scar that someone must have given me. Why then did your name appear like the marks of a wheel in this unyielding light? This is the title poem of the book, Old Horse, What is to be Done. It's dedicated to Robert Bly. There's really only one thing the reader needs to know. The poem uh, makes a reference to someone called the river compulsive. That's the ancient Greek philosopher Heraclitus. And there's a quote in here from Heraclitus, time is a game played beautifully by children. Old horse, what is to be done? I also want to live tonight my pockets filled with ghost silver, the real coins I spent long ago. There are weeks, whole months, when I read only the ancients. I mean the dark one, the river compulsive, a man who made clocks from string. Time is a game played beautifully by children. Lately, this is all I can think of, When I was very small, I lived by a meadow. You loved me, and I wasn't confused. And I guess I should say that I really did live by a meadow, and there really were horses there. Uh, This is a prose poem. Uh, My early childhood was in Finland after... uh, Finland after the Second World War was a very impoverished place. We went there in 1959. It was on its way back, but it was still... It was still a European place uh, rebuilding from the, the Second World War. This is called Sand. I woke to the waves and sand and realized I'd been dreaming of my father. We were in Finland back in the late fifties, a time when it seemed people didn't laugh. The water had to do all the laughing in those days. Clouds watched the children. There were very few televisions. I remember the adults reading books by the sea. The ocean was everyone's philosopher. Those were beautiful days. Everyone had his cup of sand. And uh, this is a poem that is not in the book, but it's a new one, uh, written uh, at the recommendation and encouragement of my uh, poetry editor and friend and interlocutor, Bob hers And, uh, It's after a poem that Robert Hurz translated from Jules LaForgue. And uh, he convinced me and a couple of other poets to write poems inspired by LaForgue. This is called Songs of Pianos in Rich Neighborhoods. And the epigraph is after Jules LaForgue, Robert Hurz, and Norman Duby. One One stands in the hot night willing to make sacrifices, but to what? Old piano in mind. Chopin, Nocturne 18. Bitter words, the wedding wasn't right. Wisdom steals love. We marry the moon. Two. Walking, distracted, Perhaps there'll be music where we're going. I've been unlocatable in rich and poor places with this tendency to get lost. Blind as I am, I find pianos on summer nights. Three. No one knows who taught Caruso the piano. Did he learn when first singing Verdi in Cairo among snake handlers and pickpockets or under gas lamps in hotel rooms, a singer's piano is a thing of loneliness? Four. In Houston, where I walked out one night, I heard a rich man's Steinway, someone playing O Sole Mio, And I thought about the tenor playing his upright piano for Marconi aboard a great liner, mid-ocean, the two most famous Italians in the world smoking Egyptian cigarettes, Caruso singing Rondi in half-voice so as not to wake anyone at 2 a.m., above them Marconi's trial mast sending out blue sparks. (laughs) That's true, Caruso and Marconi uh, up late on an ocean liner. And uh, I like to play a game, I do it all the time with my friends. I say, this could be the first sentence ever uttered by human beings, right? So, you go first. Might have been the first sentence ever uttered by a human being. Or, uh, poke it with a stick. Uh, I'll follow you. I like thinking about those very ancient ancestors. Anyway, this is called Him. Washing birds is the work of the gods. They've been at it some 30,000 years One may reasonably think birds were not clean before the gods came. I stand at a plate glass window drinking coffee from a paper cup. Many of my friends are gone. Leaves whirl under street lamps, death's butterflies. I have a hymn in mind called, I Must Be Home By Now. So those are some uh, poems from the new book, and um, I suppose one thing to say is that with this book I found that I was a different person by considerable degrees uh, from the one who was writing poetry a decade ago, and that that came with my being in my sixties. And so, The poems have a certain kind of melancholy, um, but also uh, steeped joyousness about them. At least that's what I hope comes through. This is the
0: Talk About Poetry podcast, sponsored by Nine Mile Magazine and Nine Mile Books. Our music is by the late Emmy Award winner, Bob Perry. We hope you've enjoyed this program.